Anafe Owe and David Ajabo could make or break the Baltimore Ravens 2023 season. We talk about why that is and much more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here and always making us your first listen each and every day. You can subscribe for free, both in video form and in audio form. So on YouTube, be sure to like the video in audio form. Be sure to follow along there as well. And whether you're in every day or you listen every day, it's your first time in, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle there. Welcome back or welcome in to the channel here. We're, again, five days a week. So Monday through Friday, we have you covered here for Baltimore Ravens football. There's a ton that we dive into, news analysis, updates, and it's the same show, both audio and video form. So if you, a friend, a family member, want some Ravens content, be sure to keep it locked on here on Locked on Ravens. But there's still so much to dive into, even though, again, we're kind of slowing down. The offseason has been slowing down a little bit. The Ravens had their football school, their second installment of football school. I think this is the first time they're doing it, but they did it last week. Todd Munkin spoke to the media, Devin DuVernay, and also Chris Horton. Then, yesterday, the Ravens had it again, and Mike McDonald spoke, David Ajabo, and Rafael Owe. And I kind of looked, and I'm like, okay, we got a lot of good answers from all three of those guys. But then I kind of thought about it where, look, David Ajabo and Rafael Owe, both those guys, they're going to be huge players for this team this year. And honestly, their success could dictate make or break. You know, obviously, when you talk about who's the X factor on this team in terms of like who does the success live and die by, it's Lamar Jackson, right? 100%. You know, I'm not I'm not denying that. But David Ajabo and Rafael Owe, they're going to be huge. We'll talk about why. We'll talk about what they had to say to the media yesterday. Then in the second part of the show, we'll get into what Mike McDonald had to say. And then in the final part, we'll talk about Lamar Jackson a little bit, talk about Odell Beckham, latest Marcus Peters updates, because there is one. So we'll dive into all of that here. But let's first start off with David Ajabo and Adafi Owe. Now, when I say they could make or break the Ravens season, I don't mean that these are make or break years for them. Obviously, if you want to go that far, Adafi Owe is in much more of a make or break season than David Ajabo. I mean, David Ajabo only had one tackle last year. And actually, the one tackle he had was a strip sack on Joe Burrow. It's a pretty good tackle to have at the NFL level, especially for a guy who tore his Achilles at his pro day in March and ended up having to work back from that and still got some, I, I believe, quality NFL experience in during his rookie season. For Adafi Owe, you know, you make the argument that he is one of the biggest, you know, swing factors on this team because of the fact that, you know, he showed the promises rookie season, but then all but disappeared, except for a couple of flashes here and there during his second year. In the way that this outside linebacker room is constructed right now with, you know, Ajabo and Owe in that picture, but then it's Tyus Bowser. And then Tavius Robinson, who I wouldn't want, you know, if, if I'm the Ravens, I wouldn't want him to play a huge role right away. I think he can play in spot areas. You can flip him inside and outside. But to me, that's an area like corner. Obviously, I believe the Ravens should make an, another move there or just secondary if you want to make the, the case for Adrian Amos. But outside linebacker, defensive end, like there are some quality guys. We talked about those guys a couple of days ago. I believe that they should do something there. But if they don't, if they don't bring back Justin Houston, don't bring in Jadavian Clowney or Leonard Floyd, et cetera, 
they're going to be relying on Rafael Owe and David Ajabo for a lot. I and mean, look, we can't forget about Tyus Bowser. Tyus Bowser is a very quality player, but Tyus Bowser is more of the proven veteran type guy. Like he's not a 30, 35 year old veteran, but he's someone who's been in the league a while, has improved his game. And for Adafi Owe and David Ajabo, those are two guys that have to step up in a huge way. Now, again, for Ajabo, this is somebody who this is really his, if you want to call it, first full year, you know, of, of NFL experience because he didn't really get a ton of playing time last year. He had to work his way back from the injury. But for Adafi Owe, he is now entering year three. And I, I always say make or break years or year four. Like if, if you're not playing well and you're heading to that fifth year option, you know, then you have a, an issue. But for Owe, he still has room and still has potential. And when talking to those guys, the media talking to those guys, there was a lot that those two had to say. So we'll, we'll start off with Owe and then move to Ajabo. But there was a lot of just, you know, those two know each other. Going back, they, they played high school football together. And they were really excited for each other. And Afe always said that and, you know, said that, you know, he's excited for David Ajabo to show everyone who he is as a player and as a person. And he said that the offseason training they did, they worked together. And he was energized to prove something and to himself as well. Also had a lot of high praise for Chuck Smith, the Ravens' new outside linebacker coach, you know, giving both of them, honestly, insight and really looking at how he's trained a lot of guys and honestly played the position too at a very high level. So then talked a little bit about what his goals are for year three. And he, he didn't, he didn't give anything to anybody. He said, he's not going to give it to anyone, but he's had a general goal just to be dominant, help the defense, et cetera. But ended up talking about his season last year and said that it was a learning season for him, a year to develop and get better. And, you know, not just on the field, he said, but mentally as well. So, you know, look, if, if there are silver linings, I think, sure, that can be one. Obviously, you wish it went better on the field for him. But, you know, sure, you, you you can get away, I guess, with calling it a learning season. But there are no more. Like, you can learn, obviously, but you can't have another season where you say, oh, yeah, well, I learned, but I didn't produce. You have to learn and produce now, really. This is a huge season for OA in that regard. So, fine, you know, he learned, and, and I'm not saying he didn't. It, players have to have those years. They have to have those years of just being able to struggle a little bit. And the Ravens, unfortunately, they, they weren't able to make a deep playoff run losing to Cincinnati. But I still think that for Oway, now is the time to graduate from learning and, and not producing well last year to learning and producing well this year. And there was a lot going on with Oway last year where he he was like a fingernail. I talked about it with Yannick Ngakwe when he was in Baltimore. But there were plays where Owe was close. You know, I think some people look at the at the stats and, and the sack numbers where, you know, had five sacks in his rookie season, only three last year. And he was close on a couple of plays. I'm, I will give him that. I'm not going to completely say it was just he did nothing last year. But I think compared to the thing with him is expectations, right? Expectations were so high coming off a year where I think it was an up and down rookie season. But I think people projected the growth and we just didn't see it. But he was like, you know, dang, it's it's how life is when you don't come close on those plays. But you got to pick yourself up. So, you know, he said that a lot of times he was close, but it lets him know that when it does click, everything is going to go well for him and it's going to soar. And you have to have a positive attitude about it, not a negative attitude about that, too. And talked about the veteran leadership of Roquan Smith and Marlon Humphrey being there. Talked about the technical adjustments, too, about how he wants to make sure that he has a plan in his mind and not necessarily react. And sometimes he got off the block, but was off balance. And when he got to the quarterback, you know, wasn't really taking a straight shot. And there was some of those aspects to his game. So 
it's good for him to have that in mind and also saying that he is wanting to play around 255, 260, and he's right at 257. So literally, literally smack dab in the middle there. So good for him for getting on that and doing that. But also talked a bit about David Ajabo and what he had to say about, you know, talking about last year, don't want to talk about last year. And Adafi always says he uses that kind of stuff as motivation, but you want to switch it up, right? It's not something where you want to get so hung up on it where all of a sudden you're not, not, you're not able to produce because you're so in your mind about, well, I couldn't do this last year. So, you know, I, I had these struggles. Am I going to struggle with it again? You, you can't have that mindset. So I think OA has, he, he has the right approach, I would say. Obviously for him, last year was very disappointing in multiple different aspects, especially with, I think, the potential we all saw. But he is such a swing player for this team because of the fact that, he is really what should be now the Ravens' number one pass rusher. Obviously, Justin Houston had to pick up a lot of slack last year. He had to pick up a ton of slack, had nine and a half sacks and, you know, had a stellar start to the first half and then kind of tapered off in the second half. So now it's, I think, a, a, always turn, a Jabo's turn as well. So hopefully get in there. And, and with a Jabo, there's going to be some learning curves, I think, just being able to get a full plethora of snaps. And in the second segment, we'll talk about that with David Ajabo had to say, I, I talked so much about Adafi Owe. I'm going to have to split it up. We had Owe first segment, Ajabo second segment, and then we'll flip over to Mike McDonald and talk about those notes in the final segment. So second segment coming up here on Locked on Ravens. Don't go anywhere. Still a ton to talk about. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built. And if you're looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories, you need the best tasting protein bar ever in built and if you're like me you want to eat healthier and make healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise taste i've got just a thing for you with built bars as well as built puffs built bars are healthy and they taste amazing what makes them so good is for starters they're covered in 100 dark chocolate and real chocolate and they have unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream they have only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and i didn't even need to wait to get a box for years i've been talking about ordering built bars at built.com now you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club while you can still get your specialty flavors at built.com that's right head to your nearest walmart today walk to the pharmacy section grab yourself a box of built bars you can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream bar double chocolate bar or coconut puff and if you're close to a sam's club run in and grab a 13 bar box with hip flavors such as brownie batter puff and churro puff you can thank me later we're back here, our second segment of Locked On Ravens, Thursday edition. Kevin Ostrecker still here with you. We talked about David Ajabo and Lafayette Owe, but more Lafayette Owe in that first segment. But I want to get more into David Ajabo here. I talked about Lafayette Owe so much, I had to switch up the content plan on the fly. But that's what it's about, right? Reacting on the fly. So we'll talk David Ajabo here. And again, why both Lafayette Owe and David Ajabo are so important and really could make or break this team in 2023 and again you're not going to pin everything on one or two guys if stuff goes wrong but the way that this team is built I think establishing a dominant pass rush is a way to help the secondary and look sometimes the secondary helps out the pass rush the pass rush helps out the secondary but if Adafi Owe and David Ajabo can turn a corner Ajabo in his second you know technically first because of the injury year and then Adafi Owe now in his third season that, that, that'll be a huge advantage to a defense that already has guys like Roquan Smith and, and guys like Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, et cetera. So let's talk about David Ajabo now. Again, Ajabo, I mentioned it in the first segment, suffered the torn Achilles at his pro day and ended up missing most of the 2022 season, but did come back, had one tackle, which was a sack, a strip sack on Joe Burrow late in the year. So good on him for you know getting back, working back. And look, he said he was going to play and he played last year. So Good on him, but now this is this is a good year for him to be able to get on the field and play a big role. I think he is going to be thrust. You know, you talk about guys getting thrust into big roles after not having a ton of experience. 
I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating David Ajabo getting thrust into a big role. Now, again, we, we can't forget about Tyus Bowser in this whole situation, too. It's not like the Ravens, if Adafi Owe and David Ajabo can't produce, they have no one else. Tyus Bowser is still there, but then outside of that, you're, you're kind of thinking, mm, <laughs> there's not a lot, Tavius Robinson, but how much do you want to play in his rookie season? So Ajabo had a, a lot of really interesting things to say, and I did not know this. I, I looked it up, or at least I saw it on Pro Football Reference, where David Ajabo got, I think, a comeback player of the year vote. Coming back from that, I think he got one vote, if I'm not mistaken. I might, I might have, you know, the website might be wrong, but that's what I said on Pro Football Reference. He got a vote for Comeback Player of the Year last year, which I did not know. But regardless, Ajabo did have some interesting things to say to the media, and, and this is somebody who, we'll, we'll just get this one out of the way first because it was funny, where David Ajabo asked Terrell Suggs for his number 55, and Terrell Suggs said, nope, <laughs> he said, you're not you're not getting that. He said that Steve Bishotti got involved, but at the end of the day, Suggs is a legend, and it was a funny moment. Like, again, I, I think Suggs has earned the right to have his jersey retired in the Ravens Ring of Honor. I know the Ravens don't really do, like, jersey retirements technically, you know, Ring of Honor stuff, but I think that, you know, Suggs has earned the right to not have anyone wear his his number 55, at least for a very long time, if not ever. Like, he, he's one of the Ravens legends, and so, you know, people I saw some people say that's so disrespectful from Terrell Suggs let him have the number Terrell Suggs is the Ravens legend come on like there there are very few players that can do that I think Terrell Suggs is definitely one of them but Ajabo was, was cool about it he was lighthearted about it he he understands it but Ajabo obviously wore the 55 at Michigan so wanted it at the NFL level but he'll stick with 90 he said but he ended up talking about how he, how he's feeling honestly that's that wasn't where a lot of the questions started with him and it makes a lot of sense right but he said he's you know getting better every day building camaraderie building this whole brotherhood and talked about how much weight he gained since the injury you know said gained probably a solid 10 pounds and he said he lost some just by being inactive last year so putting on the you know 10 pounds of muscle he said which is is good for him and he's super excited for the year. You know, he he never went through an injury before. So to have this one be his first one was, was you know, was hard for him. Said he tested his patience, but it was for the better. And, you know, talked about how, you know, redshirt season for him. And when he got drafted, you know, kind of knew that area. But he said there's never pressure in that situation. You know, it's just what they do here. But for him, getting out on the field for these or, for these organized team activities, this is football school. It's not voluntary OTAs yet. But he said it's been critical. And said the playbook hasn't really been a problem for him, you know, had it in Michigan because obviously the Mike McDonald connection, but getting better day by day. Talked about Chuck Smith as well, said he's a guru and bringing out the best side of everybody and talked about team goals. You know, he was asked about goals if he said any, but he said, you know, went the team route, said playing towards the Super Bowl is a team, which I thought was a really good answer. But he is he's tired about hearing about his injury and he wants to move forward, said it's in his past. He's grown from it, you know, made him stronger and, and he's 110%. He's right. He's ready to go. That that was very evident throughout his entire press conference there. But he s- talked about that strip sack he had on Joe Burrow and said that the one game he really played and made it feel like he belonged in the league and, and gave him tons of excitement and talked about the strength he has added and how it's going to be able to have him be more stable going up against these, you know, he talked about going up against grown men where again, most of his experience playing football against high school kids, college kids. Now it's against grown men at the football level, at the NFL level, at least. So that's something that he's really excited about. And then 
he said that, you know, in terms of taking a break or going right into training, he said, you know, your body's going to break down if you don't take a break. So he did take a break. He's at about a month, went to Scotland, saw his family, and then went to working with an Afeoe. That's what they've been doing. They've been working together all offseason. I think it's been really good that those two have each other. I, I, their, their bond is incredible. It's really great to see. And then talked about the London game, obviously going back to the United Kingdom, playing a game there. And <laughs> he's going to be able to go back and play there. He said it's going to be a blessed experience and talked about the brotherhood he has with Adafi Owe. And, you know, he went to Michigan and Owe went to Penn State. And now they're playing across from each other, which is, you know, he feels the love and support for the injury from him and from everybody, honestly, there. And then he talked a bit about his target weight. He was asked about that and said it was around 255 pounds is where he's really comfortable and said that's where he's at, but he's never really been focused on weight but he knows that the strength staff, the nutrition staff will guide him in the right direction. So, you know, strength, that strength staff, the Steve Saunders no longer there. So hopefully that'll be good. And said the numbers don't really mean much after he uh, talked about the Terrell Suggs uh, interaction where he didn't get the numbers. So uh, David Ajabo is someone who I'm really excited about. I mean, you go back to his college days. He had the one incredible year at Michigan during 2021. He ended up having 11 sacks, 12 tackles for loss after only playing in one game during 2020 but I mean those two talked about how they both started late and I think it off I always made the point where they both started off late in football both guys got a late start and are still learning the game so that's where you talk about you go back to the first time when we talked about it off and kind of what he said where it's like a learning thing for him those two guys are really learning on the fly they they haven't been playing since they were you know pv level football they started compared to everybody else or most everybody else pretty late in the process only been playing for a few years. So while these guys have picked up things throughout high school and, you know, the early, early days, it was kind of like a late start. So I do understand that, look, they're still learning the game in a way that maybe the guys who drafted and, you know, had been playing since they were young, young, young had already picked up one. But I know that for them, they are smart football players. And we haven't really seen David Ajabo you know, in a full 16, 17 now game season. I still get that confused. But after having a redshirt year to kind of absorb the game, learn the game from the, the mental side of things, you know, I, I talk about, you know, I'm, I'm a Nuggets fan. I'll relate it back there because because why not? Jamal Murray missed almost two years with an ACL injury. And during that time, he used the game to get better mentally, you know, just watching the game, just watching film. And that's what you kind of have to do at the NFL level, too. I mean, any sport, any professional sport level where you're injured, not able to get on the field. David Ajabo, it feels like he's still benefited. Well, it would have the ideal circumstance would for him to be out there getting the reps, getting the pro reps. There is it's not like you get injured and then all of a sudden you stop and your growth stops. And, and that's like a lost year. It's a lost year on the field, but it's also a year where you can learn and grow and figure out who you are a little bit more, and then just watch film and watch tape and grind that and figure it out. So for both Adafi Owe and David Ajabo, as I talked about, those two are going to be so pivotal to Baltimore this year, especially if they don't bring in a veteran, because then you're going to be relying on two pretty unproven players. And, you know, David Ajabo hasn't done anything at the NFL level yet. I think he, he can be that guy, but he just hasn't done it yet. Adafi Owe has done some, but he also has a lot of room to grow. So be those two, Tyus Bowser, they still have – you know, the potential to bring in a veteran if they want. But if they don't, Rafael Way and David Ajabo going to be huge for this team in 2023. And they're going to have to step up if they don't. Again, you can't pin it all on two guys. It has to be a team effort. The Ravens can still win if they don't get 
the ideal amount of pass rush out of those guys, but hopefully Chuck Smith, the system of Mike McDonald, their brotherhood and, and the Ravens brotherhood will help them have really good years. But coming up in our final segment, we'll be talking about what Mike McDonald had to say. Also diving into some Lamar Jackson talk, Odo Beckham, Marcus Peters. So still a lot to dive into on Locked on Ravens. We return here. It's our final segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. And we talked about Rafa Owe, David Ajabo, those two importance to the Ravens this year and what they said to the media during football school. But let's now get into Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator. He spoke to the media and said, you know, talked about David Ajabo a lot, said that David Ajabo's had the full year of the program to get himself physically to a spot and, you know, looks really strong out there. And also, you know, mentally, he said he thinks he's in a great spot too. And said he's going to be ready, you know, said he's ready to roll today. Talked about using safeties last year, a lot of three safety looks, and talked about how to Kyle Hamilton's credit hadn't really gotten a lot of reps at nickel throughout that process, but wanted to, you know, keep him on the field with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and fit in seamlessly in that role. So figuring out where he fits in. Talked about Rocky Yassin a little bit, how he fits in the defense and physical guys. I've talked about aggressive player as well as what Mike McDonald said. So it looks great moving around and he's really excited for that. But also talked about the veteran leadership there, you know, Marlon Humphrey, Roquan Smith being there too, encouraging guys, with especially younger players and, you know, they talked about the conversations last year where, you know, it's great to get in stride, but why don't we do that earlier in the season? So being around the building, building the camaraderie, building team chemistry, it's it's a huge thing. And talked about how the rookies can impact things as well, like Trenton Simpson, Tavius Robinson, Kyle Blue Kelly. Didn't really say anything in particular stood out, but said they were in a great spot and figuring things out. It's, it's very early in the process. We're not even at voluntary OTAs yet. But, you know, for a lot of these guys hearing the same language for the second year in a row, obviously they were installing a somewhat new defense last year. So to have the continuity of having that defensive system is going is to be so huge for them as they don't have to learn everything again, is what a lot of people would say. Talked about Lafayette way too. And he said he's coming in with a great attitude, working hard, and said even though the sacks weren't coming, you know, you want to you want to have those. And I think frustration for him probably set in for Adafe Owe, set in the frustration-wise. But, you know, they're putting together ways to teach these guys. Chuck Smith again, you know, they're helping. And talked about how he rushed outside, rushed inside, and he said he caught a stride at the end of the year. So said the sacks will come and, and believes he can come. Said that David Ajabo can rush inside and out, which is pretty interesting. You know, it's just his skill set and gets you a little quicker on the inside. But they said I'll probably start him on the outside there. Talked about Michael Pierce. You know, Michael Pierce was big for them in the first couple of games before he got injured. Said it's been great to see him out there as the start he was off to last year was great. So having him back in the middle of the defense is going to be absolutely huge for them. Talked about Calais Campbell a little bit, that loss and how it's going to be a big one for him, but it's a great opportunity for guys like Justin Medebike, Roderick Washington, Travis Jones, et cetera, to step up and play that role. And, you know, talking about how Michael Pearson in that return could maybe offset some of losing Clay's canvas, not all. But then also talked about the strong end to the year for the defense, despite not having the, the beast pass for us as some of these other teams have. But he talked about really the mentality this year is keeping – the guys taking their games to the next level. That's what they want to see. And they're running so many plays, a million plays per day. And that, that's what happens. You know, they want to work on their skills right now. So it's a great opportunity for them. And when they start practicing in OTAs, they want to be able to hit the ground running there. So that's it's really key for them to be able to do that. And I'm excited about this team. I'm excited about the defense in particular, but they are going to have to get contributions from this pass rush this year. But we'll see who ends up being on that pass rush. We know some of the guys, but maybe they'll bring someone else in. 
There was a lot of talk, a lot of talk. And I think we're going to get into this more tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to center something around it on either tomorrow's show. If it's, if it's not tomorrow's show, it'll be probably next week. But Lamar Jackson, some of these veterans not showing up to football school. We are not even in the voluntary OTA part of this. Now, I do think, like, honestly, to me, my preference, and I think a lot of people's, the organization's preference, is to have everybody there. I think it would benefit Lamar to be there, especially as they're installing this new offense. But it's not like Lamar's not working. And honestly, Lamar, you know, Lamar did this last year where he didn't show up to, you know, OTAs and, you know, didn't show up to certain things and ended up being an MVP candidate the first three weeks. Now, obviously, the play tapered off at the end, but a lot of people were they were concerned about the slow start, him having to catch up. And he played lights out the first three weeks like he absolutely did. So. Again, there is a benefit to having him there. I'm not saying that, oh, he he shouldn't be there. And he's around the, you know, for him, he's somebody who is going to do what he's going to do. He's not going to let any outside, like he's not there, right? It's unfortunate. I would, I would rather him be there, but I'm not putting a huge emphasis on this because it happened last year. It was a great start for him. Now, again, it's a new offense, right? It would, it would benefit him to be there. It's a bit different from last year where you're trying to install this new offense, but the organization doesn't seem too concerned. Again, I'm sure they want them there. Don't get me wrong, but guys like Odell, et cetera, they're working on their own. You know, there, there was a video that surfaced yesterday of Lamar throwing. So it's not like they're sitting around doing nothing all off season. They're still working, but again, it would be a benefit as Mike McDonald talked about building that camaraderie, especially for an offense with Lamar where, you know, you, you have Odell, Zay Flowers, you know, Rashad Bateman and, and Odell worked out together. So Again, you don't have to do everything in the facility. These guys, you know, should still have some semblance of an offseason. But again, I think that I would put concern on it once we get to training camp. If Lamar's not there at training camp, I don't know why he wouldn't be. But if, not, if he's not there at training camp, that's where I put the concern. But again, I want to reiterate the fact that I, I would still hope that he shows up to some of these other things. But if he doesn't, I'm not putting that as all oh, the Ravens aren't going to win a Super Bowl because of it. That That's just me. But also, we got a Marcus Peters update talking about, you know, we talked about him in, in the visit to the Raiders, Vic Taffer, who covers the Raiders and the NFL for the Athletic. He was asked about any Marcus Peters update and said that he wouldn't be going and buying a Marcus Peters Raiders jersey anytime soon. So there, there's still hope for the people who want Marcus Peters back. I know some people don't want him back, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry for anybody who doesn't want him back. You know, he hasn't signed with the Raiders yet. I still think it'd be a really good opportunity for Baltimore to bring in a solid veteran guy who knows the system, who obviously loves being with the team. That's just me. I feel like he could provide something, especially when, again, we talked about this a couple of days ago, but you can take that risk of it. If, it, if this is the end of Marcus Peters and he's not the player he once was, you have Marlon Humphrey, you have Rock Gasset, and if he does end up playing well, you're still able to have that three cornerback rotation. But it's been, it's been eerily quiet, I think. Marcus Peters was someone who, again, came off the injury in 2021 and didn't play well in 2022, you know, like it's just a fact. He was beaten a lot, committed some penalties here and there. I know a lot of people see that the Jawan Johnson touchdown against the Saints where he kind of like, like kind of pushed him out of bounds, but didn't really push him out of bounds. And he runs up the sideline. Chuck Clark was in on that play too. It wasn't all Marcus Peters, but Peters was in it. But again, the cornerback room, I think is still a need where it's, you know, it's Marlon Humphrey, it's Rock SC and it's, it's Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, Kyle Blue Kelly, Trayvon Mullen, Brandon Stevens is playing more safety this year, so it's not it's not him. There, there's just a little there's a little concern for me in that aspect where I just if Marlon Humphrey goes if Marlon Humphrey goes down and you sign somebody else anyway, and it's not like a star level player, your, your cornerback room is in trouble. Like that's just what it is. But the question is, do you play Kyle Hamilton in the nickel? Mike McDonald talked a little bit about that. 
do you feel like the best fit for Kyle Hamilton is you put him at the nickel and then you sign an Adrian Amos is the best fit. Maybe you sign Marcus Peters and you put Marlon Humphrey in the slot. I, I would not do that. I prefer Marlon Humphrey on the outside personally, but we saw he could do the inside outside stuff and he can do it really well. We saw it when the Ravens were dealing with injury after injury in that secondary. So I think Baltimore does have options. I'm, I'm interested and curious to see which one they end up picking because they do have multiple where you can say, well, you know, we, we can do this, but then we have to sacrifice here. We can do that. We have to sacrifice there. There's still a lot of time to build this, this team out defensively, offensively, even special teams. If you want to, we know the Ravens value that special teams, but football school, the Ravens have had two sessions of that. Some really good insight from both offensive and defensive, even special teams as well key components to this team, coaches, players, etc. So, you know, lull the offseason, but always stuff to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. So that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're going to get back here tomorrow. Be rounding out the week here with more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.